A clear indicator of a high-quality franchise is other teams trying to take a piece of your franchise and bring it over to theirs. We see this a lot in particular with coaching staffs. Well, sad news for the Sacramento Kings organization as former Sixth Man of the Year and Kings legend Bobby Jackson is departing the Kings organization and heading to Philadelphia to join Nick Nurse's coaching staff with the 76ers. We'll talk about Bobby's departure and we'll discuss the topic of leadership around the Sacramento Kings right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. And over the years that I've worked in Sacramento, whether it was in radio or or in television. I've gotten to know Bobby Jackson through the work that he's done, especially on the radio side, uh, how much he's been a part of the organization in some coaching capacities. Of course, he spent the last two years leading the Stockton Kings as the head coach of the Stockton Kings uh, G League team and has done a phenomenal job with that. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But Bobby is a phenomenal man, and, and coaching has uh, been a passion of his that he's worked on for a while. People will forget, like, he's been a part of multiple different coaching staffs here in Sacramento over the years. He was even part of Rick Adelman's coaching staff when he was in Minnesota with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So coaching is something that Bobby Jackson has been involved in and been interested in for a while. And the reality of this situation, and I think all people understand this, all Kings fans understand this, is that this is the next step for Bobby. This is the next step in him accomplishing his goal, accomplishing his dream of ultimately being a head coach. And I don't want to necessarily speak for everybody on every coaching staff or everybody on the Sacramento Kings coaching staff, but most go into this profession, I imagine, with the desire to eventually take control of a team of their own. Everybody started somewhere, right? Eric Spolstra is considered to be one of the greatest coaches now of all time, or at least he, he certainly will go down amongst some of the greats in terms of NBA coaches. And he started as a video coordinator uh, with the, the Miami Heat. I mean, Mike Brown's journey to become an NBA head coach, and he had he's gotten multiple opportunities, and he had to work hard and wait a long time to finally get this opportunity with the Sacramento Kings, right? The pathway is not always clearly set before you. So you have to climb the ranks, at least, again, based off my understanding from the outside perspective, I don't know what it is to be a, an NBA head coach or an NBA assistant coach, but through conversations that I've had with people like Doug Christie, people like Bobby Jackson, you understand that you just kind of work your way up and you let your your experience, you let your uh, endorsements of peers, uh, and you let your opportunities really speak for you. And Bobby, especially recently here in Sacramento, has made the absolute most of his opportunities. This opportunity now with the Philadelphia 76ers joining that staff is his next step towards full-time being in the NBA and having his own NBA team to coach, which is something I believe he will accomplish one day. The same thing uh, I feel about Doug Christie here in Sacramento. Now, Doug's had a, a 
different route than Bobby has. Doug has just recently kind of gotten in the, into the coaching scene, so maybe he has further of a ways to go than Bobby. I have no idea. But even like Luke Lautz, uh, Jay Triano, Jordy Fernandez, there are a lot of guys in Sacramento on Mike Brown's coaching staff, and Mike has said this himself, that should get opportunities or deserve opportunities and, and will get opportunities to be at the head of their own teams one day. This is what Bobby needs to do to take that next step. Plus, for the Philadelphia 76ers organization, they're getting a phenomenal human being. They're getting an excellent basketball mind. They're getting someone who's very, very well respected. Like, Bobby is... I can't endorse Bobby enough just as a a, a person, a human being, uh, a coach. I'm very, very excited, very happy for him. Selfishly sad that he's departing Sacramento, that he's leaving Sacramento. Of course, he means so much to this community. This community means so much uh, to him. But this is great for Bobby. So as sad as it is to see him go, it's a celebration of Bobby's accomplishments. And and what he's done here in Sacramento, what he's done in Stockton in particular, just this past season, he led the Stockton Kings to a league best, a G League best 25-7 and record. In 2021, he was in charge of the Sacramento Kings Summer League team. That was Davion Mitchell's rookie season. He won the Summer League championship that year. So Bobby's already gotten, uh, he has some success, and the track record speaks for himself. And I had the opportunity a little more this year than I have in past years to to cover the Stockton Kings and to work with the Stockton Kings. Spoke a lot with like Namias Keita, spoke with Keon Ellis, but also different members of the Stockton Kings organization, players, front office members, whatever it may be. Bobby was beloved in the Stockton Kings organization. And he's beloved in the Sacramento Kings organization. Like Bobby, of course, during the season, spent all of his time in Stockton working with Stockton. But when it came to training camps, when it came to preseason, when it came to after the G League was over and the Kings were practicing for uh, for playoffs and things like that, Bobby was here in Sacramento working with those guys. So he was just as much a part of the coaching staff and the main roster here in Sacramento as he was uh, with the work that he did in Stockton. He's well-respected. There are a lot of guys that have come through Sacramento that can only sing Bobby's praises. So I'm very excited uh, about his opportunity that he's getting in Philadelphia. Obviously, there are very high expectations there uh, for Nick Nurse, and he's going to need a really good coaching staff right away. That's why he's made an absolute A-plus hire, in my opinion, to bring Bobby to uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. And, And this is just the start of what's going to be a pretty consistent trend, assuming the Kings continue to to be successful and Mike Brown continues to be successful here in Sacramento. Bobby is not going to be the first Kings coach taken away to somewhere, uh, some other opportunity. We just saw Jordy Fernandez. His name was all over these coaching vacancies. And, and first off, we have to say thank you to, in particular, the Phoenix Suns and the Toronto Raptors for making the wrong decision and not hiring Jordy Fernandez. We appreciate them. Now, I have, I'm not saying Frank Vogel is going to be bad for Phoenix. Um, the Grizzlies assistant, I'm, I'm Rajakovic or, or whatever his name is, um, I, I don't know too much about him. I have no idea if they're going to be successful or not. They could be great hires uh, that the, the Raptors and, um, and Suns made. All I know is Jordy Fernandez is brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. And the Sacramento Kings are 
tremendous winners this offseason for keeping him here in Sacramento, which we believe he's going to remain a part of Mike Brown's staff now that he didn't get a job or one of these head coaching jobs. And again, it's it's only a matter of time. Like as soon as the next vacancies become open, Jordy Fernandez's name is going to be right back in the mix. So this might be the last year that the Kings have Jordy, but they're going to take every opportunity they can to have him here. But even other guys, like I mentioned, Luke Louts, maybe Doug Christie one day, like Jay Trion, like there's so many names. Lindsey Harding on this Kings coaching staff that would not surprise me at all if they took bigger, better opportunities elsewhere. Uh, and, and you know what? The reality is, as much as Mike Brown selfishly wants to keep him here in Sacramento, the Kings organization selfishly wants to keep them here in Sacramento, Mike is also going to endorse them as, or as best as he possibly can and get them as many opportunities as, uh, or help them accomplish as many opportunities and get as many opportunities uh, as they can get. So, Jordy Fernandez remaining in Sacramento is a tremendous win for this organization. Like he was instrumental in so many ways in the success of the Kings. They will all divert the praise and attention to one another. Mike will not accept an ounce of praise for his uh, unanimous coach of the year uh, accomplishment. He'll give that to Jordy and Jay and his entire coaching staff. He'll even give it to the training staff. He'll give it to his equipment managers. Uh, he'll give it to the front office. And, and the other guys are the same way. Jordy would not accept that uh, upon himself, or at least I have not seen or heard him accept any of that upon himself. Yet at the same time, you see why these guys are so good at what they do, why they're so respected. And and I spoke about this before um, on this podcast, and I spoke about this also on uh, recently on, on D'Lo and KC, the ESPN 3020 radio show here in Sacramento. Like, a moment that stood out to me this year was when Jordy Fernandez won his first official game as an NBA head coach. And that was when... Um, Mike Brown, well, maybe that wasn't the official game because he, he he coached and won when Mike Brown was out with COVID protocol, but if I'm not mistaken, his first win was when Mike Brown was ejected. I think that was in Toronto. He was ejected and Jordy took over and the Kings came back and ended up winning that game. Now, Mike was in the locker room and was there for the celebration afterwards, but Mike had Jordy address the team, allowed Jordy to address the team and give that post-game speech because Jordy was the, the coach that got that win. And Mike has allowed Luke Louts to speak with the team, Jay Triano to speak with the team, Doug Christie to speak with the team. Like Mike, very he empowers people around him, which is why I think that staff is as good as they are, why they want to work with Mike, why players want to play for Mike. Like what the Kings have here in this coaching staff I think is really, really special really special and we can see by how quickly the culture has changed and how at the forefront and at the center they've been of that Jordy of course is a massive part of that it's only a matter of time before Jordy Fernandez leaves but I'm telling you I'm celebrating hard the fact that the Suns the Raptors and other teams with coaching vacancies didn't take Jordy from Sacramento even if Jordy wanted those opportunities and deserves absolutely to be a head coach. And when he does get that opportunity, I'm going to be nothing but a fan of his, just like I am hardcore rooting. I'm recording this before Game 5 tonight. 
I'm hardcore rooting for the Denver Nuggets to win tonight because I really want former Sacramento Kings head coach Michael Malone to get that championship trophy, to get that ring. Like, I'm rooting so hard for him. It's the same way I would root for Jordy Fernandez unless he was playing against the Sacramento Kings, right? But thankfully, I don't have to worry about that because Jordy Fernandez is remaining a king. We can root hard for Bobby Jackson and the Philadelphia 76ers' success uh, because of him going forward, and I look forward to seeing Bobby get one step closer uh, to to his dream and his goal of becoming an NBA head coach. But, of course, so much of coaching is leadership. And leadership has been a major topic that I've had on this podcast during off-seasons in the past when it comes to this Kings roster and and who the leaders are, and even the coaching staff, who the leaders are. I'm going to revisit that leadership conversation in just a second. For that, though, I want to let you know that today's episode of the Long Done Kings podcast is brought to you by an excellent sponsor, BetterHelp. If you've heard me talk about BetterHelp before, you know therapy is actually something I'm, I'm pretty passionate about because therapy is something that I was completely against or I had kind of the typical mindset of my problems aren't big enough for therapy or I don't need a therapist, I can figure it out on my own or the negative stigma around asking for help and going and seeking that help. Mental health is extremely important. Therapy is extremely important. And it was during the pandemic that my wife and I started seeing therapists, both for us individually to work on ourselves uh, and for us to work on our marriage. Those of you who are married know marriage can be difficult sometimes, and therapy can really help you unpack that. And it's essential that you get paired up and you get matched with the right therapist. The therapist that, uh, that I use, he and I, we've established an amazing relationship with one another to where... Uh, I mean, we trust each other completely, and, and I believe that he has my best intentions at heart. And finding and making that connection is so important. But sometimes that's difficult to do based off of the offices or the names that are around you. You don't have to worry about that anymore because with better help, if you're trying to start therapy, giving better help a try is maybe one of the best things that you can do. It's extremely completely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can fill out a brief questionnaire, and you'll get matched to a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time without any kind of charge. So maybe you don't gel with the first or second therapist you get paired up with, but the third one is the perfect one for you. That's extremely important, and BetterHelp knows that, so they're not going to penalize you for that in any kind of way. Go to visit BetterHealth.com uh, slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash LockedOnNBA. In the past here on Locked On Kings, I've talked about a leadership problem that the Kings have had. And this has been a topic of conversation, not just here on the podcast. This has been a topic of conversation on radio shows amongst fan bases. I remember, especially when it came to De'Aaron Fox in years past, we were talking about where is that leadership side of De'Aaron? Even De'Aaron has talked about that. Like he's spoken openly at times about wanting to work on being a leader. And De'Aaron's always been more of a leader by example than a get in your face and yell and scream kind of leader. That's just not who he is. That's not his personality. And I think myself and so many others have really finally begun to accept that and appreciate his leadership style for what it is. And and that that allowed me to look more at this roster and these different players and the coaching staff and whatever and, and identify the different types of leadership that they bring to the table because a lot of them are important, right? De'Aaron Fox's lead by example is still very prominent, but also De'Aaron communicates a lot. Like you'll see cameras catch him all the time on the bench or in games communicating, telling guys where to go. Like he, he is a very good communicator. He's just not that 
alpha male type presence that's going to grab you by the collar of your jersey and get in your face and say, hey, wake the hell up. Although I'm sure De'Aaron has the respect of his uh, his teammates, the respect of that locker room. He's definitely the guy and leader in that locker room. He and Domas are the big leaders in that locker room. I know that. That's confirmed 110%. Like, that's not even a question. They are definitely leaders in their own way. But neither of them are going to be scream-in-your-face type leaders. Now, I've seen DeMontis Sabonis express himself a little bit more on the floor, especially when it comes to Keegan Murray, right? DeMontis Sabonis really took Keegan Murray under his wing, and even the year before, DeMontis Sabonis uh, took... Davion Mitchell under his wing in a lot of ways. Like the the Kings recently put out a video on National Best Friends Day and they asked who's your best friend on the team. DeMontis Sabonis said it was Davion Mitchell because Davion was his rookie. Now I think these were recorded during media day at the beginning of the year. Maybe Domas would change his answer now to Keegan Murray because you could see on the floor so many times after a play, whether it was a good play for the Kings or a bad play for the Kings, whatever it may be, Domas was grabbing Keegan and telling him where to go and what to do and, and, and coaching him in that moment, right? That's leadership. Maybe that's a little more in-your-face leadership than what De'Aaron Fox shows, but you don't need to have necessarily that enforcer-type type personality. And I know the first name that jumps into everybody's mind is like a Draymond Green-type personality. That works really, really well for the Golden State Warriors. Of course, it's presented problems recently with incidents in practice and things like that. But that side of Draymond Green has worked towards the success of the Golden State Warriors. So people see that and think, who is that for my team? Like, that, that guy is typically good to have for your organization that can hold people accountable. Accountability is the big word that we've used a lot and questioned a lot and called for a lot on this podcast, certainly in the media, as fans from this organization and team for a long time. And accountability is one of the things that changed day freaking one of training camp when Mike Brown came in. A lot of that accountability, of course, has come from Mike himself. So if there's an enforcer on, if there's an enforcer leader in this Kings organization right now, it's Mike Brown. He comes with that background. You've heard players talk about he gets on De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis more than he gets on anybody else. So that means if he's getting on you, you can't brush that off or roll your eyes because he plays favorites with the top guys. No, he holds everybody accountable. And we see that in playing time. We see that in how he interacts with players on the bench. Like he and Terrence Davis had multiple, I say episodes. It's not like it was that bad, but you could see when he would pull Terrence Davis out, sit him down and would express frustration with him. And then would also express excitement and and, and joy when Terrence would then come back into the game and do the things that Mike Brown was asking of him and make the right plays. Like that's the leadership that Mike Brown brought to the table. But Mike has also talked about wanting to get to a point and needing to get to a point where he can call a timeout. And while he and his coaching staff, you'll notice if you ever go to a game, watch when a timeout happens. The players go and and the bench uh, clears seats for the players who are actually playing. Everybody else stands up and they get together in a little huddle and they talk. And the coaching staff goes off about a few steps away and they converge and they talk. Typically the first half of a timeout or a quarter break or whatever it may be is the groups of players and the groups of coaches each kind of doing their thing and then they come together and they talk and they have their their meeting and that's where coach whips out the clipboard and starts drawing up plays and gives his rah-rah speech or whatever. But Mike has talked about he needs the team to start holding themselves accountable. They can't just rely on him to call that timeout every time they need uh, to... to Re, uh, need to rally or need to turn things around, right? And he needs guys in the locker room to start holding each other accountable. 
That doesn't mean that the kings need to start yelling at each other, need an enforcer who's going to grab people by the jersey, but it means are there people in that locker room, are there people in that huddle that can turn to each other and say, hey, we got to do better. We got to wake up. We got to do this. We got to do that. I think there are multiple guys that do that in different ways. De'Aaron and DeMontis Sabonis, that, like I've already talked about. I think Malik Monk, in a lot of ways, can be that guy. We know Harrison Barnes has brought leadership to the table and is that guy very much in the locker room at times, even if he's a little more soft-spoken. Kevin Herter is very well-spoken. Wouldn't shock me at all if Kevin is that guy at times. Trey Lyles is very well-spoken. Wouldn't shock me if he was that guy at times. We know Matthew Della Vadova was very much a leader for this team with uh, individual interactions that he would have with different players, like when Chris Biederman reported the great conversation uh, that he had with Terrence Davis and and helping Terrence kind of uh, like revive his way of thinking or, or help work him out of a little bit of a funk or a slump. Even Matthew Dellavedova addressing the entire team during the playoffs and, and sharing his wisdom on how to handle Steph Curry and guard Steph Curry and handle the Golden State Warriors defensively. Like There are so many different types of leadership and so many different leaders on this organization and on this roster, and that doesn't necessarily mean that there's too many cooks in the kitchen. I'm sure that's very possible. I don't think the Kings necessarily have that problem. You would love to have your one or two guys that really, truly have the locker room listening to them and following them. Those two guys, again, are De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, but they don't have to be yellers and screamers to accomplish that. I think Davion Mitchell. I mean, I've, I've heard... I think James Ham said this recently on an episode of D'Lo and KC that that Davion is also in, in a lot of ways embracing a leadership role as even though he's just a second year player going into his third year he's he's older and he's a good listener he'll he's someone who will listen to you and that's extremely important in leadership like listening is just sometimes uh, maybe even more important than being the guy to just talk the entire time and yell and scream the entire time so maybe Davion's that kind of leader. I'm interested to see how Keegan Murray develops as a leader because I don't think he's ever going to be that yeller and screamer or anything like that or even that much of a talker. But could Keegan Murray be that guy that when he speaks, people listen? Like an example that I uh, that I came up with is, and if you're not a wrestling fan, you're going to roll your eyes at this and go, shut up, nerd. But like for those who are wrestling fans, if you know about The Undertaker, like The Undertaker was in so many ways the guy in the locker room in the WWE during his era. He, there are so many stories that have come out of they had like their own like locker room court system, and he essentially was the judge, jury, and executioner. Like he was the guy that would hear both sides, hear the cases, and say, would say, "All right, this is what you have to do, get it done." Type thing. I don't necessarily know if Keegan's going to become that, but Undertaker's a soft-spoken guy. He's not a yeller and screamer and get up in your face type personality. At least based off of my understanding of, of The Undertaker and uh, and the man behind the, the character. Like, can Keegan become that locker room leader to where he listens a lot, but when he speaks, people listen? I'm sure he's years away from becoming that, but just like the Sacramento Kings are hoping he can become the third of a big three here in Sacramento with Fox and, and Sabonis, maybe he also can become part of their big three leadership eventually. My whole point in bringing all these names and all these scenarios up is that the Kings don't have a leadership problem anymore. They don't. I think their leadership problem is solved. Could they always get better? Yes, but there's not a problem anymore. But I throw the question out there to you. Do you think the Sacramento Kings still need an enforcer-type player? Some think the Kings needed that during the playoffs, and they didn't have that during the playoffs from the roster, not just the coaching staff, but from the roster. Do you feel that way or not? If so, who's that type of enforcer? 
that you want the Kings to either go out and get, or who do you need that enforcer enforcing to come from, or who do you think that enforcing should come from on this Kings roster? Let me know your thoughts on that at Matt George Sack on Twitter. Email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the number one way to play daily fantasy sports. And the way Prize Picks works, you pick two to six players, and if they're going to score more or less than their prize picks projection for that game. So from a, a basketball perspective, let's say you're doing it for game five tonight, which may already be over by the time you're listening to this podcast. But let's say it was like Jimmy Butler, 31 and a half points, Nikola Jokic, 30 and a half points, Jamal Murray, 24 and a half points, which is really low. You take the over on all three of them. You get all three of those right. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. The best part, it's just you versus the projections available. You're not competing against anybody else. And those who have, have played in, in some of those other like online fantasy uh, and, and online uh, games of that nature, like you know there are sh- sharks out there that do this for a living that try and take advantage and make your hobby less fun by just knowing what to do and, and doing their thing to, to just beat you and take your money. You don't have to worry about that on prize picks. Of course, they offer projections not just for the NBA, but for NFL, MLB, uh, for golf, for combat sports, uh, European sports. They have it all. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals, and it's currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports right now. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with our promo code locked on. That means you deposit $100, you get an extra $100 for free, no questions asked. It's more money for you to make money on prizepix.com, your number one way to play daily fantasy sports. We are 10 days away from the NBA draft. Can you believe it? The buildup this year, not nearly as intense as it was last year for obvious reasons. A fourth overall pick versus a 24th overall pick. Yeah, there's some uh, different stakes and different uh, levels of intensity and interest involved in those picks for sure. But of course, the Kings are wanting to take the, uh, the, the furthest advantage of this opportunity, the most advantage of this opportunity. Who will they select? Are they going for like a long-term developmental uh, project to maybe stash in the G League? Are they looking for someone to help them win games and crack the rotation right now? Are they looking to trade the pick? We'll get these answers soon enough, 10 days away from the draft. Very excited about that. Of course, on tomorrow's Locked on Kings podcast, we're going to focus back on the draft, and I'm going to be joined by, or at least I'm scheduled to be joined right now, by an old friend of the podcast, Kyle Boone from CBS Sports. He's one of their draft analysts there. Kyle is awesome. He's been on the podcast a number of times over the years. Uh, He's going to join us to talk about what approach the Sacramento Kings should have to this draft with the 24th pick, talk about the available pieces around that, if there are any prospects specifically you want me to ask him about and get his opinions on, uh, feel free to reach out and send those to me. I'm looking forward to chatting with Kyle more about the uh, the NBA draft. Keep an eye out also for our Locked On NBA Ultimate Mock Draft that we put out every single year where all of us local hosts become the GMs for our team. We've already done our draft. I already know who I'm selecting. I'm not going to spoil it for you. When that ultimate mock draft comes out, give it a listen. You can find out what we think our teams are going to do. There's trades involved as well. So it's a really, really fun, uh, high-level production that we put on as a podcast network every single year around draft time. So keep an eye out for that. That's going to be coming very, very soon. And I just want to know from you, 
what's your ideal draft scenario right now? And if it's a pick, who you select? Who you selecting? Who you picking? Like it could be wishful thinking that a player drops, like Derek Lively drops to twenty four, which is something that I've thought a lot about. It could be, uh, oh, I think this guy, even though he's listed in the second round, I think he's going to be a steal, and I'm going to snatch him into at twenty four. Like, who are you feeling right now? What are your vibes going on uh, with the player that you want to see? A lot of you talking about Imani Bates, who the Kings just recently had here uh, in in Sacramento for a workout, which I reported. Um, so. Let me know how you're feeling as we get closer and closer to the draft. We'll ramp up draft coverage, of course, once we get to the draft. Uh, We'll do a ton about what the Kings end up doing on draft night, a draft reaction podcast and stuff like that. So we got still a lot more, despite it being the offseason, and maybe the NBA season has come to an end or will come to an end tonight after Game 5 of the Finals. Still a lot more more coming for you all on Locked on Kings, so I'm very excited to have you continue to join me. Appreciate your support, as always. Can't wait to have you with me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.